All right, welcome back to the show, Old Millennials Remember Movies. I'm Angela Yoshiko. I'm Tyler. It's happening. It's happening. And today we have a special guest with us today, our friend. Hi, everyone. This is Sean. I'm the special guest today. <laughs> yeah. His name is Sean. He's a co-host on our Ninja Turtle Talk Live podcast, which is available on oldmillennialsremember.com, by the way. That's the correct website. Nice work. I and also, right the first time. also on iTunes. It's on iTunes. And all your favorite podcast places. Ninja Turtle Podcast everywhere you can find this podcast, which is everywhere. Yes. So today we're talking about signs, but before we jump into the that movie, Tyler, what have you been watching recently? Let's let our guests say. Oh, Sean, guess first. What have you been watching? Well, I haven't been watching a whole lot lately, but I did catch the 2013, I think, Enemy with Jake Gyllenhaal, co-starring Jake Gyllenhaal. (laughs) <laughs> and Enemy. I hadn't I, I had wanted to see it when it came out originally but I never got around to it and it was not what I was expecting at all this is it Denis was, Villeneuve uh, before he made uh, Arrival that's, and that's right. Blade Runner 2049 that's right and I had seen Prisoners which I believe was also him yeah. and I was expecting something more along that line but this was a little further out there so it was a pleasant surprise. It was it was very entertaining. It's very surreal. Has a strange ending. Yes, it does. <laughs> I don't think I've seen it. No, it's really good. It's int- it's um yeah it's it's definitely uh, more surrealistic than the other Denis Villeneuve movies. But uh, yeah, it, it has a little bit of similarities to Arrival in some ways. I would say there's there's some similarities. I would agree. Yeah, but uh, it's good. It's on. Net- did you watch it on Netflix? I did. Yeah, that's a good uh, good program. I would recommend it. I used to think well. you sort of looked like Jake Gyllenhaal, Tyler. Who, me? Yeah. Yeah. So handsome. He's a handsome guy. He sure is. So, yeah, I'll take that. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I have not been watching anything fantastic. No new movies. Not just a thing. Just my guilty pleasure uh, TV. Oh, yeah, like Supernatural. Supernatural. Catching Su- up on the last super. latest season on uh, Netflix. Hey, great. <laughs> Where basically that show just hires really handsome models. Do I look like any of those guys? You sure don't. They're All like right. seven feet tall. They are very tall. I am not tall. Yeah. Sorry. And then, of course, what have you been watching? Oh, well... It's Much a- <laughs> more interesting than what I've been watching. So I I, uh, I signed up for... The- I'm on the A-list now. You know, we don't know what, what you're talking about. What is the A-list? Oh, it is uh, AMC's answer to MoviePass, uh, where you get to go see three movies a week. And you can see it's been easy one. Well, you got to see up to three on the same day. Wasn't AMC the chain that was against MoviePass in the first place? Yeah, they started a better program. And hmm. We happen to have one somewhat nearby. So I did go see two movies today. I saw Black <laughs> Klansman, which was uh, Spike Lee's new movie. And that was really good. Uh, I, I like Spike Lee in general. Uh, I like his messiness and uneven movies uh, as well. This one is probably... His most mainstream in a while, I would say, but it still has some of his flourishes. It um, stars, oh, John David Washington. He is Denzel Washington's son, oh. and he's very good. He plays a police officer in the seventies who infiltrates the KKK. <laughs> in, in that he he calls him on the phone and he gets to get into the membership. But then they ask, they obviously have to send a white uh, cop played by Adam Driver to kind of infiltrate, uh, you know, in person. And it's really good. It's <laughs> funny. It's uh, uh, timely. And, yeah, I really liked it. I, I thought it was a, a, a good one. And uh, one of Spike Lee's best in a while. And I, I, I like a lot of his movies. So I think that says a lot. And then the second movie I saw was The Meg uh, with Jason Statham. Oh. And uh, is it like The Transporter 5? No. He doesn't punch a single person in the movie. Mm-hmm. Does so, he punch a shark? Mm, 
Does he drive no. a car real fast? No, he doesn't. Oh, fuck this, this is, movie then. <laughs> it's very, uh, it's very, yeah, it, it, in a lot of ways it, it is a weird to see Jason Statham in a movie like this, but um, he's probably the best thing about it. Uh, it, it, it. It takes itself very seriously. It's not really goofy on purpose like, say, a Sharknado. I mean, it's obviously a big screen movie and it's big budget, but... Um, some of the set pieces are okay. It it, it seems to, it's it doesn't string together very well. It just kind of jumps between <clears> set pieces. Um, it's okay. I think it was, I thought it was better than Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom. So there's that. It seems to have been a resurgence of these shark attack movies the last couple of years. How did it compare to Forty Seven Meters Down or The Shallows? I have not seen Forty Seven Meters Down. I think that one's actually streaming now. I actually really like The Shallows. Surprisingly, hmm. um, I did too. Yeah, that one's pretty solid. This one, it, the shark's a lot bigger. Obviously, <laughs> um, he's the Meg. I, you know, it, it's kind of surprising how it gets from point A to point B to C. It, there, it, it, there's some they, they're stringing along set pieces and it, it it's okay like I it was fine it wasn't the best thing in the world but hmm, great better than Jurassic World <laughs> I'm gonna bring that up again it's terrible we've already <laughs> talked about it and you're sitting on your Jurassic Park shirt that's it's clearly on your mind I'm still upset <laughs> obviously uh, well, that's I mean that's it that's all I could talk about I suppose today alright well that's what we've been watching yeah now let's jump into what we also watched recently, a little movie called Signs from 2002. Give me those, uh, oh, what do we call them? The high stats. Oh, the high stats. That's yeah, right. the high yeah. stats. We have new there's segments. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Sean's our one listener, along with the other two you listeners. He was like, no. He's not aware of it. He does not aware of this. <laughs> All right, so Signs came out in 2002. It's rated PG-13. Mm, in it was August, in, right? came out in August? Yeah, let me get to it. Okay, you Don't said it came out in 20, 2012. It's an hour and 46 minutes long. She said 2002. It came out on August 2nd, 2002. Yeah, good. August 2nd. <laughs> freaking jerk. It was directed by and written by... M. Night Shyamalan. There you go. Stars Mel Gibson, Joaquin Phoenix. And, oh, do we need to do the Mel Gibson preface again? Because we already, uh, we already did Maverick. <laughs> we had to like talk about that already. So, I mean, yeah, we know Mel Gibson's terrible... We're putting that aside while we're talking about the movie. Science. We did not know that in 2002, though. We didn't so know that in 2002. We can still enjoy the movie. Right, I guess. <laughs> so anyway, we're aware. <laughs> you don't need to send us our letters. We're very aware that Mel Gibson has been, in the past, somewhat of a piece of shit. Okay? Yes. Right, that's all we're going to say That's about. true. That's true. <laughs> and so, before we jump in, Sean, uh-huh. we didn't tell you to do this before you watched the movie, but we have a new segment called What Do You Remember? So before you watch the movie, we have we write in like thirty seconds what we remember about the movie. Okay, which is kind of a hard task to do because you think you remember a lot. It's hard task for you, yes. It's always a hard task for me. <laughs> Tyler's always sounds like he's basically writing it straight from the IMDb summary me of such last episode, which was not kind. Which was not kind. Well, I can tell you what I remembered of the movie because this was my favorite movie for a long time. It was one of the two DVDs that I owned all throughout college. What was the other one you owned? Spider-Man. Spider-Man? First Spider-Man, yep. sure. Did you eventually purchase Spider-Man 2? Uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> Just curious. The, the, the original trilogy, <laughs> right. I did. Okay, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I remembered the the whole crop circle thing, and I thought it was interesting to see that in a movie, because mm-hmm. as a child, we'd heard about those things on the radio and the news, and everyone was into aliens in the 90s. Um, but the thing that, one of the things I remembered was the soda can, or the soda commercial guy, the 
in the the store. Oh yeah, I always remembered him for some reason. Wow, that's a I, that was that came back to me as we watched it. That's oh, that was a highlight that. for me. Yeah. And <laughs> then, uh-huh. and then of course, the whole water at the right the the end. being right. the the secret weakness. We'll discuss. That's true. <laughs> so, so that's the main things I remember. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Here Andrew. was mine. Um, there's some kids, and Mel Gibson and cornfields. There are signs in the cornfields, you know, like alien signs, mm-hmm. and people are panicking all over the world. Mm-hmm. One of the kids leaves a bunch of glasses of water all over the house, and then at the end, the aliens come, and they learn they're allergic to water, which is handy because of all the glasses of water. Right. Also, I think a dog dies in there somewhere, presumably oh, yeah. from the aliens. <laughs> I did not remember that before <laughs> <The> watching <end>. <laughs> Alright. Well, okay, this was mine. A grieving former preacher. See, that's a real specific detail. <laughs> I can't believe you remember that kind of shit. That's what I remember. I will talk former about why I remember that. Anyway. Grieving preacher. A grieving former preacher. Oh, excuse me. Discovers crop circles and other terrifying signs of alien invasion. Mel, his brother, and Mel's two kids fend off the local attacks. Some dogs get brutally murdered off screen. Then water and swing away <laughs> become the solution, which Mel recalls from his dying wife's last words at a car crash. At the same car crash, Mel calls the female police officer Sugar Tits. I don't remember that. <laughs> I don't remember that detail, Tyler. <laughs> that might be the real Mel Gibson. That's the real Mel Gibson. Right. Uh, that was between takes. When I was writing this, I totally forgot he had a brother. Like, the whole Walking to Phoenix character. character. <laughs> totally forgot about him. Yeah, okay, so... That's that, what you remember. That's what I <laughs> All right, let's jump in. Okay. Where do we, what do we want to talk about? Well, um... Oh, yeah, I want to talk about this right off the bat. Oh, I think okay. the best part of the movie... And I, I, I like this movie, don't get me wrong, but I think the best part of the movie is the opening credits with the music. I love it. This was peak Shyamalan confidence, it, because oh, <laughs> there yeah. is a full screen directed by M. Night Shyamalan right at the beginning. It's like written, produced, and, and directed by M. Night Shyamalan. And at the end of the movie. And at the end. And it's like, but this, it's a, the music is very dynamic. It's James Newton Howard doing several like alien invasion homage uh, sounds in it. The screen, it's like a it's like a spotlight with giant words on the screen. It is just like announcing itself as like this is a movie. Like you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna love this thing. And I think that there's a lot of confidence in it. I I, I think it's a bold move, and I like it. I like the music, so that's my my favorite part. And they did not disappoint. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot to mention how much the money made. Oh, that's what a was, high stat. That is a high stat. What was your guess on the budget? This was you know M Night Shyamalan's movies aren't. Hugely budgeted, so I would say it's maybe like a sixty million dollar movie, maybe even less. Seventy two million. That's more than I would even think. Pretty close though. Um, and then it was a huge hit. It was like two hundred and fifteen million domestic. Yeah, almost two hundred and thirty. Yeah, million. It was, it was a. It was significantly better re- received box office wise than Unbreakable, which was yeah. obviously very different than The Sixth Sense. This was more, more like what people were expecting out of M Night Shyamalan. Um, but yeah, I mean, Sean's right. This was at the peak of his powers. Um, while Unbreakable probably disappointed some, it was I was seemed to be still well re- well received yeah. at the time. The Sixth Sense was still huge, and so this was probably his most like showiest uh, movie that came. I mean, it was a big deal that it was M Night Shyamalan and they got Mel Gibson, and it was a summer movie, and there was aliens, and yeah, it was a it was a big deal, and uh, it's mostly a good movie <laughs> until the end, but that's okay. I'm curious what. Oh, isn't there a segment that we have? About- what would Rogers say? Yeah. You're supposed to oh, come yeah. in with me on that. Not just leave me hanging. I'm not a singer. <laughs> you jerk say. It yeah, I have what Roger Eber says. Yeah, what's your guess? I'm hiding it from you on the number of stars he gave it. I'm going to say three and a half. What's your guess, Sean? 
I'm going to say two thumbs up. <laughs> he does the stars on his written reviews. <laughs> Out of how many? Five? Out of four. No, he does Out of four. four? Yeah. Yep. It's a four star. Two. Really? Oh, you're both wrong. Uh, he gave it a solid four. Really? Ooh, interesting. Ooh. I didn't, well, hey, three and a half is close for, for that, by the way. That's true. He really liked it. He did. And I have an excerpt for you here. Roger Ebert. Who did you think it was? There was whispering. He's like... To me about, is it, we talk about Roger Ebert? <laughs> that's a different Roger. <laughs> Roger... Uh, Clemens. That's all that popped into my head. <laughs> Who's Roger Clemens? He's a baseball player. <laughs> that's what <laughs> I was, was thinking. Well, he's still alive, but he's retired. <laughs> mm-hmm. So the geni- Yeah, let me just read a quick excerpt. Okay. The genius of the film, you see, is that it isn't really about crop circles Mm-mm. or the possibility that aliens created them as navigational aids. I will not even say whether aliens appear in the movie. They do. Because whether they do or not is beside the point. Oh, they do. The purpose of the film is to evoke pure emotion through the use of skilled acting and direction, and particularly through the soundtrack. It is not just what we hear that is frightening. It is the way Shyamalan has us listening intensely when there's nothing to be heard. Mm-hmm. I cannot think of a movie where silence is scarier and inaction is more disturbing. If he had seen, if he had lived a little bit longer, he would have seen A Quiet Place. Which oh, my God. Interestingly <laughs> borrows a... I mean, it, it, when watching this and seeing the most recent uh, yeah. uh, John Krasinski movie that came out in this year, release year, he... It seems like pulled from uh, from this movie a little bit. Not maybe not. Directly, you were saying, but... were you joking last night when you were like, "Oh yeah, he watched that like this movie ten times well, before." It's just, was that a joke you were making? No, no I think it's he. He's who? obviously evoking some elements of like. That was all. But who John didn't Krasinski? watch this movie ten times. Right? I know that's but true. <laughs> the use of use of silence and use of things that are off in the distance and not. I mean, the, the Quiet Place movie is all about not being able to make noise, and so. And it's about kind of people on a farm, and obviously things are different, circumstances are different. But I could, there was definitely that vibe to it, and it was it was fun to watch this after seeing a quiet place recently. <laughs> anyway, I will say the sound probably was more impactful in the theater than watching it at home. Did right. you watch it at home, like in the dark by yourself when you rewatched it? No, I didn't. I watched it on a computer with <laughs> headphones, <laughs> with well, lots of lights well, and distractions. So this is a movie that you, we when we okay so. This is a 2002 movie, so this is we, we probably need to mention that this is a late. This is about as late as we're going to get in terms of movies in the podcast. This is like when we're 18 years old, the end of our adolescence, and I remember. Uh, and this leads into what you would think, Angela, is that I remember when we met because we met when we were 18. Yeah, uh, you were frightened by you. This was a scary movie. You saw this in the theater, and I'm just curious about um, your memories of it. Oh that. yes, I loved this movie. Scared the shit out of me because yeah. I used to work in the cornfields, <laughs> and we saw this movie like late at night, mm-hmm. and I was. A teenager, so I was like driving my car home by myself by a bunch of fucking cornfields. So yeah. I was like, oh my god, this is so scary. <laughs> yeah. So it really had an impact on me. I super, super loved it. See, this is the first time I think that you have a more specific memory of a theater going experience than I do. Because yes. I, I, I saw this in the theater, but I don't have like a memory of like. I thought I enjoyed it. I just don't. Yeah. There's not like a specific. Uh, did we see it, Sean? And I uh, that's what I was actually trying to remember. Maybe summer after we graduated. We had, we had to have because oh, it was in August and right before we went down to college. Yeah. So I think we probably did. And we were excited about it. I oh, think. yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was a it was a big deal. This was. Yeah. This was the last. I remember this being the last movie that I was excited to see before going to college. Yeah. And we, we watched quite a few throughout high school but it, it, but I remember this being right at the end because it was August right mm-hmm. before yeah. we, we it, went this down was there. The, probably the last big release of this. <clears throat> usually August is kind of you know the first couple weeks of August you get a big movie and this was probably mm-hmm. that 
I think this is how you and I probably became friends. We're like, what? You liked signs? Uh, I like signs, too. Yeah, for sure. Probably. And, uh, yeah, no, I, I I have a memory of enjoying it. And uh, it, it does have a... This is probably the first time we've seen it in a few years. And, um, yeah, I mean, it definitely it loses something on a smaller screen. Yeah, this is the first time I've seen it in at least ten years. Wow. I watched it a lot when I first got it. But I, I don't think I went back until till this most recent viewing so different perspective this time yes (laughs) it is well what was your um kind of your thoughts about how this digs in because one thing i remember more of was more of these jump scares and things happening in the crops and it there's there's there is that but it's also i mean aliens don't really become a factor really like head on for a very long time the aliens are exclusively the jump scares in the movie that every time you see an alien that that is the jump scare you've got when he's standing on top of the barn and you see the silhouette oh that is like the scariest moment of the whole movie early i I, want to say that it doesn't happen early it does it's just that it's there's a lot of other things going on here besides uh, the jump scares of the aliens terrorizing them, I suppose. The guy on the roof, though, that's, like, the scariest moment. Yeah. We're like, oh my god! It is. And there's there's the a, a very good one with the Joaquin Phoenix's character who plays Mel Gibson's brother watching television and seeing, like, the children react to... And him reacting to them reacting yes. to the aliens. Love that scene. And, it, and, and it, don't it, forget the leg in the cornfield. Right, the leg you in the cornfield's very I'd good. Like but... to, I'd like to speak on the leg in the cornfield okay. for a minute. So I mentioned I worked in cornfields. Right. So these aliens are allergic to water. Correct. So I used to work in the cornfields, and they would get they get super humid because they're big leaves, yeah. and they soak up a bunch of water. Right. And then the to the point, like do. where when we worked in them in the morning, we'd have to wear rain jackets and rain pants, oh. otherwise we'd get soaked. Well, that's why they're going so there at night. M Night Shyamalan, <laughs> I call bullshit you know on what? his dew covered. Uh, <laughs> Cornfields. Number one, they are out there at night. So there's that a whole day of it drying out if they're only watering in the morning. One. They're in the cornfields the whole time. And number two, I'm going to say this, they don't attack what? or kill Mel Gibson and the family, probably because they're weakened by the dew on the corn. Okay. I, mean, yeah. I think this explains why they're out in the cornfields smashing them down. They're just like, ah, oh, it's too wet. They're, like, ah, they're ah. not making signs. They're just trying to get the, <laughs> they're trying the to corn get dry. Well, and then, okay, the other jump scare that I think happens pretty early is the 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 dogs are acting funny, and you have two young actors here. You got a Culkin, Rory Culkin, who's being very Culkin like in the movie. If you've seen Home Alone, he's basically doing the same Macaulay. No, he's not. Thing. He's not Hello. as like ghosty looking. <laughs> ghosty looking, <laughs> like pale, that? like sunken well, eyes. Or Rory Culkin is he's had a longer career. Whatever. I'm not he looks healthier. And then Abigail Breslin, which is probably her first. I think it was, role. yeah. Before A Little Miss Sunshine. Yep. This is and, but before. there's that scene where the dog's acting funny, and it's an angle where you're, like, behind the dog, but the dog's in front of it, and, like, it barks or snip nips at the kids, mm-hmm. and that's kind of a jump scare that I remember. And it's still jump... Maybe you jump and I both jumped, jumped on the couch. Again. And I've seen this movie a few times now, and I know it's coming, but I'm like, God, a dog. <laughs> I want to come back to the kids. We can finish the jump scares, but I've... I've got a couple things to say about right. that. Well, okay, maybe this can lead into it, because the next time we see the kids after that scene, we have another scene where Mel Gibson's looking at the crop circles, we come back and Rory Culkin stabbed the dog to death, Yeah, and we're just supposed to, like... And he's very calm about it. Oh, he's very calm about that. Creepy. Creepy. Be- okay. Yeah. So, during this time period, creepy kids were kind of a staple in scary Always movies. <laughs> so, were they just acting creepy because that was the thing to do with kids in movies then? 
Or is there more to it than that? What what was going on with the kids? Yeah. Why were they so creepy? The one well, is like a psychic. She's like, I well, dreamed this, I dreamed that. That's part of it. The other one's a Culkin. So, you know, he saw the good son and was just like, I'm going to do the same thing. <laughs> but he has the creepiest scenes. He does, because he's just, like, stoic. I mean, you have to remember that these kids have lost their mother. Mel Gibson is a grieving father. They're supposed to be a little bit comatose to this whole experience. It's yeah. only been a few months. Um, kids in movies and horror movies, like, yeah, you... But, Essentially, there's a movie. One of the movie rules out there is that if you have kids in your horror movie, the kids gotta be a little bit creepy. <laughs> but why? <laughs> because kids are inherently creepy. You know this. We have a kid who likes to sneak up on you and just like appear, and you're like, oh, "What are you doing?" I know he's gonna. Elliot's gonna get punched in the face one of these mornings. Yeah, he went because he just kind of appears. <laughs> he like, quietly sneaks. Hi, mama. <laughs> Good morning, and it's like, bam. <laughs> ah. Yeah. No. So kids um, will do that, but yeah, I mean, it doesn't help that Rory Culkin has been. Has stabbed a dog off screen. It's the first of two off screen dog deaths in the movie, and uh, you know, you 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 believe him, I guess. That the dog is acting funny, but at the same time, you're just like, wow, well, this guy's a little bit. Uh, is he getting mind controlled? Maybe the the tinfoil hats that they all wear later in the film are for a reason because maybe they are the aliens are getting to their brains. That was my thought as well. Is that something else is influencing the kids? Oh. That's not their own behaviors, but who is it? It's the dead mom. That was what, that was my thought. Well, she, it, I mean, that's where this whole movie Signs is really about. We're not talking about crop circles so much. It's more about Mel Gibson's loss of faith. And if you weren't sure that he lost his faith, don't worry. There's about ten scenes where they discuss that, where people keep calling him father, and he says, "Don't call me father." There's an outline of a cross in his bedroom that they are very prominently showing you a lot. Uh, yeah, that wall's dirty. It's dirty. well, he could have <laughs> scrubbed it, you know, or painted it if he was really. If you look, I'm just saying, if he really lost his faith, he would have painted over that wall and any sign of a cross up there. Just saying, it's true. But uh, clearly, he didn't. Any he look, he had the clothes left over at the end. So clearly, uh, uh, let's hold for a moment. Yes, Sean is trying to unravel his what his happened notes. To your notes there. <laughs> <laughs> I had some notes that uh, ended up going through the washing machine, so uh-huh. they're only partially legible at this point. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. One thing that's, that kind of stuck out to me in the beginning of the movie was the name Lionel Pritchard and the Wolfington Brothers. <laughs> and we had to hear this f- at least five times. It's yes. such a strange name. Right. Did you Google to it? To be so prominent. No, Let's I didn't. Google it. And that, so at the beginning, they think that these this neighboring farmer and their kids have created the crop circles. Yes. And that, that's a prank of some kind. And even the guy... But no machine could roof, bend corn like that. No. <laughs> Although they do have an but offhand then, remark later where... Yeah, then, they, then she comes back later and says, two people could do this with a two-by-four in an hour. Yes. <laughs> I know. They make a state... So the, the sheriff comes in. It's, she's played by a sheriff, Sherry Jones. And she... Is it Sherry or Cherry? Cher- Sorry, it is Cherry Jones. Okay. I think, I think so. It's and, spelled Cherry. I didn't right. know. And she, you know, say, well, there's no machine that could do this. And how could someone do this by hand? It's too perfect. And yeah. then, like, two scenes later, she's like, well, I was on... Like, she doesn't say it. But she's like, I was online and I saw that people can do it with some ply board or whatever. And, uh, you know, that's a good point. But it, like, it kind of de- deflates the whole, like, scary... Uh, but here's something I forgot about. Right. We actually get to meet Lionel Pritchard later in the movie. We do. Did you catch that? No. No. When Meryl was in the recruiting office with another possessed type person, the army recruiter. Oh, yeah. And Lionel Pritchard was sitting there off to the side to talk about the other record that no one knows about. That's who that is? Yeah. Oh, man. Because he's kind of a dick about his baseball record. So Walking Phoenix plays Meryl. He's Mel Gibson's brother. 
He was a baseball star in the minor leagues, had a lot of home run records, had a 507-foot home run, which is really far. The thing had a motor on it. But like uh, Minnesota Twins' Miguel Sano, he also had a strikeout record that pretty much prevented him from being a real star in leagues. So, yeah. There he, it is, yeah. He, uh, he, he, there's that guy. He, so that's actually an interesting thing I want to talk about because they have this extended sequence where the dog's been killed, there's some crop circles, there's things on the news. So they decide to go into town to get away from all the news, in which case all they do is get terrified more by all these other things happening. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix goes into the recruitment office where that guy, and we need to get back to this guy in in a general thought I have. He looked like an alien. He does, and he's delivering this very B-movie speech about, like, well, they're only here yeah. for two reasons, or <laughs> they're going to here to colonize us, or whatever he says. And uh, it's... This is M. Night Shyamalan at his most, like, we're doing a B-movie here. And I think... Well, and then... We'll get into this, but he made another movie later on that I I think he he really thought that... Just saying now. would love. Well... <laughs> This character, the the army recruitment <laughs> officer, he's just he he's just a strange guy, and it's a very B movie. And so Shyamalan later on makes the movie The Happening, which is pretty widely considered to be maybe his worst movie. That's uh, a toss up. There, there's a high, high it's competition. A, it's a toss up with most after this one. Yeah, before Split. <laughs> right, <laughs> but that the happening in particular is like such a B movie in terms of its it, the line delivery is very stilted. This character has a very stilted line delivery. It's all very cheesy dialogue. This is the scene. I think he must have thought that people loved this scene and signed so much that he was like put it in the back of his brain. Mm-hmm. Oh, guys, I've got a whole <laughs> movie. If you like that scene, I give you a whole movie of this later on with Mark Wahlberg talking to plants. And that's what he does. And then we notice that the word happening is in the movie like 80 times. I think we could it's, do... It's happening. That's yeah, the it's happening. Oh, it's happening. We right. could have a drinking game. It's on the cover of the DVD. It says it's happening. They mm-hmm. they say it a lot. Like, what is happening? Or this is happening out there. It, and if you think about it, it's not a, a turn of phrase that you use a lot in normal speech. No. Like, this is happening. You'd be like, well, what happened maybe? But you don't get a lot of this... Uh, you could say that happened. He, it, right. It's just... <laughs> And like Shyamalan really had a fixation with this word to the point where he's like, I gotta make a whole, I gotta get it out of my system at some point and make a whole movie about this. I mean, the crops are, are you know blowing in the wind. That must have given him an idea about the happening and the plants attacking. I don't know, but uh, yeah. there there were seeds planted earlier than we knew. Connections, connections. <laughs> um, oh, I do want to talk about one thing about this movie is that I remember this when I saw it, and it's still true. It's a very funny movie. For a good stretch. Uh, yes. I thought it was hilarious that Mel Gibson was having trouble cursing right. when they were trying to intimidate Lionel Pritchard and the Wolfington brothers. He goes around mm-hmm. and like they, his brother tells him, you got to curse. Get wild. Get crazy. I'm so insane they, with anger. He yells, I'm insane with anger. <laughs> Walking things like, it's time for an ass whooping. But he's just like... <laughs> it's time for an ass whooping. Yeah. It, it, he, it's so funny. And there's other moments where, I, I mean, between like the tinfoil hats, what... Joaquin Phoenix is doing, like, hiding in the closet watching the TV to try to hide it from the other people. Mm-hmm. His reaction to the alien in Mexico is a very funny reaction after a pretty legitimate jump scare. So there's a lot of comedy in this, um, which I think is is important because there's some heavier... There wasn't the in his previous movies. Not at all, no. I mean, if you really look at... The Sixth Sense. The Sixth Sense, and especially, I mean, Unbreakable. I, I think Unbreakable is probably still his best movie, personally, my favorite. But it is like a humorless movie. Mm-hmm. Like there's just nothing of levity in it. Whereas this is, 
I think it must be because of, I mean, Mel Gibson in general, if you look at kind of his overall broad work, you kind of, you could see why you'd want to maybe utilize him for that. Yeah. Um, but then again, maybe you'd think that about Bruce Willis, and he didn't do that with Bruce Willis, so, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But he does get some good humor out of, it's by far like Joaquin Phoenix's most like mainstream like comedic role. Maybe, I mean, he's, he's very funny in Inherent Vice, but it's a whole different thing. And I, I like that about it. I think that it's important, especially considering we get a whole lot of stuff about uh, a dead wife. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so much. A lot of stuff. So let's talk about this uh, this dead wife. Um, we have a sequence of events. We, we learned that she's died in some kind of accident. We're getting little flashes of what's happened. We only really kind of learn more about this once the man himself appears on screen. Yeah. And uh, this was a... A detail I forgot about. You don't actually find out what happened to her until the very end of the movie. It's it's spliced in, switches back right. and forth. You, you and I didn't realize that was at the end of the movie. Yeah. You find out what happens to her, but you don't see her that the, the actress yeah. until the, the very end. Yeah. Um, in in the middle of a, what you would assume would be like an action sequence that starts and yeah. then it, it takes a break. But um, so what we learn is that she was walking uh, in the dark at night. And she's hit by a car driven by the veterinarian, the town veterinarian <laughs> that's played by M. Night Shyamalan when he was sticking himself in these movies. Which, I want to say, this is his biggest role, right, isn't yeah. it? He, he's only in like a little, maybe he has a line or he two. He's a doctor in, in the sixth sense, and right. he's in one scene. Yeah. And then I don't remember Unbreakable. And Unbreakable, he's in the stadium and he's chasing him. And he, oh, okay. Yeah, he doesn't have, it's not like an extensive like dialogue scene. Whereas this is, he's required to... He has an arc. He has multiple scenes. He has one big chunk of scene as a as of de- delivering dialogue. And how did you think Split that? Two. I loved the way he was introduced because they're all sitting there eating pizza, and they all look up and they go, "It's him." And I'm like, are they breaking like, the fourth the wall? <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, and then so he goes and has this, and this this happens. I mean, we're an hour into the movie when we finally kind of get this. He goes over. And he's leaving. He's leaving town. The shit's hitting the fan. There's people on the news. There's lights appearing over cities, and people are worried. So he's leaving. He thinks that they should go to the lake. To the lake because he thinks that they're weak against water. Uh, a notion that little Rory Culkin, by the way, who's reading books upon uh, books upon books about aliens, Mel Gibson says this to him. He's like, "That sounds like a made up thing." Like someone should. That kid was way wrong. Like That's they should actually. It actually does sound like a made up thing. It does. How would he? How would he know? <laughs> well, right, and I—I I mean, I guess are you saying that M Night Shyamalan's making you know his own little joke here about like the the the, the, the nonsense of his yes. plot? Okay, well, maybe he is. But did you? What did you think about this? Is a pretty pretty heavy dramatic moment that you're supposed to believe that this guy has fallen asleep at the wheel and accidentally killed somebody. What did you think about his acting? Well, I know what you thought. What did I? You thought it was garbage. <laughs> I thought it was fine. I was like, "Yep, that's I good." I actually didn't. It didn't stand out to me. Di- I didn't mind it at all. You were like, "I was full more." On I bother. was more distracted by the fact that it was the director. I didn't. Well, and I yeah. think that that's Catch the issue. Night. It's not that he's necessarily bad. It doesn't. He's just speaking monotone, and that's fine. It's just that he was right to kind of stop doing this, <laughs> like putting himself in the movies. Right? Uh, he. It's just not a thing that uh, that sticks. Especially if it was just like another scene. About something, if he was a Pritchett boy or whatever, who was making yeah. fun of Joaquin Phoenix's uh, baseball record, that'd be one thing. But this is kind of a pivotal moment where we're supposed to understand why Mel Gibson has abandoned his faith. Mm-hmm. Um, this and this scene, and there's that scene where he and Joaquin Phoenix are watching television, 
and he he talks about there's two people in this world. There's people that see something that happens and they think that there's a there's a sign. Signs are real. There's a miracle that can happen, and there's people that don't. And I think it's a, it's a, it's a good speech in that he comforts his brother mm-hmm. and he says like, "Hey, I I want to comfort you. You believe that? I'm a he's a miracle man." Another funny line of this thing, he tells the story of uh, n- nearly kissing someone who throws up in his face. Oh yeah, and it's a sign <laughs> that he was he had to take his gum out. Right? Yeah, he's a miracle man. He says that's very funny, and he comforts his brother. Mel Gibson comforts him, and he's like, "Well, what are you? Who are you?" And he's like, "Well, don't, didn't I make you feel better?" And he's like, "Yeah, but so then he." Decides to deflate the entire conversation mm-hmm. by basically saying, like, yeah, mm-hmm. no, there's no signs of anything. You're dumb. Uh, yeah, we're all goes, screwed. <laughs> he goes, he, this is when he shares what her last words are. So oh, you right. as yeah. the listener get to finally hear. Right. And he goes, I never told you the last words that Colleen said before they let her die. Before they let her die. God, kind of bitter. Um, yeah, she said, bitter. see, then her eyes glazed a bit. And then she said, swing away. You know why she said that? Because the nerve endings in her brain were firing as she died. And some random memory of us at some of your baseball games just popped into her head. There's no one watching out for us, Merle. We're all on our own. So after he just comforted him. <laughs> and you see, like, his ability. Like, oh, he might have been a good preacher. Like, yeah. he was able to comfort someone with a good story and a good lesson. And then he's just like, oh, yeah, but fuck you. <laughs> like, but, like, it's n- fucking pointless. Yeah, you're dumb. Like, we're all gonna die essentially which is almost like he'd lost his faith (laughs) he almost like he lost his faith right in that scene again and i make fun of this because uh, like it's a lot he 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 loses faith but having said that i you and i think disagree a little bit on the, the climax of this movie in that i actually think that the faith stuff and his loss of faith is a strong point of the movie especially in the end i think yeah. there's a dinner scene that you i don't know you had a different reaction angelo than i had watching it i think it's the other than the opening music i think it's the best scene in the movie where they're deciding to stay at their house the aliens are maybe coming they decide to make all the food they have and they get into this fight at the dinner table and uh, Rory Culkin like says, "I hate you. You killed mom." Which I don't really know where he got that idea. See, that's the piece where <laughs> he, I don't like it. I think he said, "You let mom die." Right. Yeah, that's the he piece where I, he didn't he, get the right story. Then <laughs> they didn't earn that piece of it. No. I feel like Mel Gibson's reaction to it and and the typical parent reaction of just like I'm upset and I'm gonna lose my shit on my kids. Yeah, I totally bought that. But they gave us just one scene before with Rory and Joaquin. That's like, I wish you were my dad, and that was the only scene that you get that he's like. I like Cut them down. Joaquin Phoenix shuts him down. I was like, "Don't you ever say that to me again." But it was like, like, "We'll give you this one scene to really give you this payoff of this big fucking scene where he's like, I hate you. You let mom die.' I don't know about the let mom die thing. I don't think is earned in that spot. But they do have conflict throughout the movie. Before that, they're in the car, and he's he's always like dismissive of like listening to the baby monitor and all that. What I like about it is Mel Gibson's breakdown in this scene. Like he cracks. He is not being angry anymore he just loses it and they all kind of embrace and I, yeah. I don't know to me they earned it and I still think it works even to this day um, yeah I just think that's the climax of the movie everything that happens after that I kind of forgot about other than like the water stuff but there's a big sequence here where I We're remember the dog getting yeah. killed outside you hear like the it's a, it's very well done it's a scene where the aliens have come. They're outside. You hear them moving across, like the the front of the house on the porch. You see so them, spooky. Yeah. You see the light flicker between the lights. You hear the dog getting attacked. It's barking, barking, barking. Dead. The wind chimes getting bumped. Right. And it, so that's all very well done. And that's kind of the last thing I remember before the big ending. But then we have a, another pretty good sequence where they're stuck in the cellar. And the yeah. 
And the kid's creepiest moment of the movie is then. (laughs) The creepiest movie. that That was one that stuck out to me as well. Why was he standing there? Yeah. So Walking Phoenix knocks the light bulb out. So then it goes dark. So they're fumbling, and all you hear is thuds and, and they're holding pumps the door shut. As they're they're holding right the in. door shut, and then then they remember there's another entrance into the room. Right. So now they're they're looking for it. They're looking for this it. This was and, a quiet place type scene. Yes. And you think, okay, so as a kid, you're probably just gonna like stay where or you are, ca- like yeah, get down in the corner, or get down or, or hide. They're on the other side of the cellar. Right. When they finally discover him, and then they shine the light on him, and he's just fucking standing there in the most creepy way. Yes, just looking at them in the dark. He's not doing anything besides being a Culkin. He's standing there so calmly. He's not fumbling around or looking panicked. He's just standing there. He found a corner to be in. He goes, what? And then you see the alien's claws. The hand comes out and grabs him. Oh, my God. Well, I guess we should mention that we we did have a scene after M. Night Shyamalan where they're... (laughs) So that's the other thing. Like, we have this heavy scene with M. Night Shyamalan explaining what happened. He's like, oh, by the way, don't open my pantry. I trapped one in there. (laughs) And then he (laughs) drives off immediately. Like, maybe you lead off with that bit of information. Like, hey, I trapped an alien in my house or whatever. And so that was a lot of tension with the reflection on the knife. Like, right, that was still suspenseful watching it. It's very good, again. and like he does cut um, the fingers off of it when it goes through. It's a very Jurassic Park scene. Or, he uh, he uh, does. Lost World. And when I saw it this time, I had this thought: I was like, "Is that the same alien at the end of the movie?" I don't. Oh. I'm going to watch for that this time. <laughs> well, it's not subtle. <laughs> they make it very clear that it's the same. It's alien. pretty clear. <laughs> they show a close up of his hands with his fingers, and then they flash back to when the fingers were cut off. Oh, they do. And then they go back to the fingers missing again. Oh, it's the same one. <laughs> Which I don't know how important is that. Like, really, it's just that this alien. He's is there for right? revenge. Yeah, I guess because the rest so he was also left because they left the injured behind. Oh, and he was yes. still there because he lost some fingers. Oh, yeah, because yeah. we hear on the radio... And that, that, one aspect I like about this is that there's a whole invasion going on that we don't see. Yeah. And we they turn a radio on after being in the cellar for a while, and they hear, like, oh, we found a way to stop them. Which, by the way... Thanks for not announcing it on the radio. Well, number one, they <laughs> could... Um, it sounds like water. They figured out that water was a weakness. But also, I'm going to guess that, like, just judging by the... They didn't what we say see, it was water, though. They didn't say it, but they must have figured out a way. Yeah. So we know from later that it is water. But, you know, just judging by how we see the alien later, where they have no weapons and they're naked, I would assume that bullets also just work just fine killing Probably. Probably straight through the <laughs> like, head. Like, the military showed up and they're like, whoa, these, like... They they came woefully unprepared for for the human race. So the, they had acid that sprayed out of their wrists. Okay, I think bullets <laughs> were just if the finger came off with a, like a Ginsu knife. I think we're we're talking about like bullets handling this. No you think problem. it was a Ginsu knife yeah, or Cutco? Definitely Cutco. By the way, if Cutco wants to uh, advertise on our <laughs> podcast, I love Cutco. We have Cutco product. We could always use more. Um, we could work out a deal. So Cutco, if you're listening. We love your stuff. Brought to you by Cutco. Graded. Graded. Not a free. Chopping fingers off. Right. You could cut so sharp you can cut a penny and an alien, alien fingers. Finger. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, and then we also, I did read on the, I, I, I met Shyamalan during this whole attack, which is a little bit weird. Like, they're not preparing themselves to fight an alien. They're kind of just like telling stories. Mel Gibson's telling the kids, like, the story of their birth. Yeah. Which are his M. Night Shyamalan's real birth stories of his own kids, apparently. Oh, really? Uh huh. Yeah, that's what it was said on the internet. But, I shrugged my shoulders like I don't care about that detail. Uh, well, it's I think those I things think work because it it um it goes back into like I think it's finally showing the Mel Gibson character being an effective preacher again. Like he's able to comfort. Like that's his job in this process. His brother should be I don't know. He should. This is a farm without a shotgun, by the way. That, that's a weird thing I thought too. They, they well, they it's a corn weapon. farm. 
a corn you have farm. Animals or something like. <laughs> you just had dogs in America, like 2002. Seems like they have. He's a preacher. They have no weapons in the house. They've boarded themselves up, and they have, they have an axe thing later. But and like when they're coming in through the bedroom, they're just like, "Well, let's tell a story and maybe go to the basement." Like they don't even arm themselves. Not a great. Yeah, native. he doesn't even grab his baseball bat. He's telling stories. He but there. I, I'm trying to say that I did like. I still like. His arc, uh, I think Joaquin Phoenix might be a little. He's, I mean, he's a he's he's a dummy. I guess is what we need to understand. He needs to be told what to do. He needs to be told, hey, there's an alien in the house. Here's a baseball bat on the wall. Hey, can you go ahead and like swing the bat at him? <laughs> he has to be told these things. What mm-hmm. the song's saying. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so I'm on record as liking this movie until the last five minutes, <laughs> and so we have to talk about it. We reveal the M. Night Shyamalan twist of this movie is that the word spoken, so the alien appears in its full form, not a great image. It um, looks great when it's in the reflection on oh, the TV. Oh, yeah. Well, that was another, yeah. A great jump scare. You see the figure reflected off a TV. You think everything's fine. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think the number like the the number of minutes the aliens appear in this movie is like a minute or a minute and a half. I think it's, number one, smart for jump scares, and two, smart considering that the visual effects have aged horribly. Uh, this alien in full view is a very terrible-looking piece of CGI. <laughs> well, keep in mind, too, that his skin camouflages. Which I get, but it's just like... You still think it looks bad with that? It, it looks very bad, and I think, like, maybe they should have just not worried about that whole camouflage thing. Because we get that little shot of, like, him, of uh, Abigail Breslin screaming, and then they show... In his skin. The yeah. skin. <laughs> it just, it looks like a fuzzy digital effect. It's almost, it would have been better if it was just a guy in a suit, I feel like. Um, I think they should have just kept him off camera and left it all through the... Reflection on the TV and the glasses of water. And that's hard because you have, they have to have this confrontation. But right before that confrontation, we finally get the full flash. So the alien appears, then we get the flashback to Mel Gibson talking to his wife, and we hear the conversation, and we hear the words of like, see and swing away. And that's when he realizes that she was not only sending him messages about that, she's sending the daughter messages about their weakness being water. Uh huh. <laughs> She's telling her son to be super creepy, <laughs> right? And see, and get having an asthma attack before, so you can seal your lungs before getting the poison in your mouth. That's why he had asthma. Yeah, yeah. that's why she gave him asthma during her birth. She's like asthma. Bam. I, I think that a lot of this might have worked better if it wasn't just the two details of like the girl likes to leave water glasses around and also swing away because there's a bat on the fence and like. I don't know, like, is that a big revelation to, like, hey, go ahead and, like, take a swing at this thing? Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. How? Everyone well, enjoyed that payoff. She had to tell mm, the, what's Mel the brother's name? Oh, just, Mel you Gibson. can just call him Mel. Okay. <laughs> she had to tell Mel to see, so he would look up and see the bat on the yes. wall. Oh, they do have a weapon in this threatening time. Yes. It was behind Meryl. He didn't know it was there. That's why Mel had to see, and that's why he had to tell Meryl to swing away. Otherwise, they don't know what the alien's capable of. Yeah. They had to have some Are we talking from, about this the, like you two like this twist? Yes, or I love this twist. Love it gives me chills twist. every it's single so time. And it still does. Holds <laughs> up. I feel like... Holds up, Tyler Wilson. <laughs> it's such a good payoff. Here's why. Really? You yes, think, you think you're you watching an alien movie, but that's not what it's about I at all. I feel like you're being sarcastic. No, I'm actually serious. <laughs> this is why I like the movie. Yes! <laughs> that's why that's the only thing we all remember about the movie. It's a horrible ending. <laughs> why? It's a terrible twist. Is it's it a twist? I don't feel like it's a twist. It's, it's just like a... It, you're right. It isn't a twist, but it is revealed as a twist. It is no, being, it's not. It is using the... It's, it's a twist, it's a twist in the way that 
the movie is not about what you thought it was. It's constructing it as a twist, even though it's, it, it, yeah, it is using it as like the reveal. It's the M. Night Shyamalan reveal. And it was fantastic. It's, it still works. This is why Sean and I are friends, <laughs> and you're lucky I even dated you. But you guys are aware <laughs> that this is like not a popular ending, right? <laughs> With, no. uh, with assholes, what? maybe. No, this is this is the start of where people start griping about M. Night Shyamalan's work. Because you know why? They liked it, and then a, a few people didn't, and then they're like, I gotta be cool, no. so I gotta say I didn't like it like Tyler Wilson. No, I think it's because it's very good, and then it has a kind of underwhelming ending, and I think that that's just the fact of it, <laughs> personally. Well. I don't have a... I don't, I, look... I'm on record as love. I I like his first three movies quite a bit. I still really like this movie. I like his new movie, Split. I'm very excited about the sequel that's coming out. I'm not like an M. Night Shyamalan hater in any respect. I like some of The Village. Um, So I'm not like trying to dog on him as a director. I'm just saying to me, and and I'm also just pointing out that there is other people that feel this way that is an underwhelming twist or reveal. Did you feel that way when you first watched it? Yeah. We probably argued about this 20 just, years ago. To me, it was, it, it's just like, the water, it just feels so arbitrary, and it's it's an arbitrary, because that's fine, I know that we have all these alien movies where the, they have a dumb weakness, and that's how they get beaten. It but. is dumb, but the payoff is that the whole time you're watching the movie, you're saying, why is she, why does she have such a problem with the water? Right. And then you find out why. I, I, I know like, it's stupid, <laughs> but it's it's still, it's still fun. Yes, it's fun. And, which is what my original point of the kids being possessed. I think the mom was controlling the kids the entire movie. Well, there's certainly... that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's insinuated that she's leaving this water around for some That's reason. why she sent freaking Rory to get all creepy in the corner so he'd have a full-on asthma attack. Maybe. Is that why? Because I still don't understand that. Because that's one. when he has the asthma attack, because the alien grabs him, oh, and, and then he has him. that full-on or asthma attack. Yeah, so he was... Much credit? Shut up! <laughs> God, you're the worst! <laughs> Just saying that it's not, it doesn't click together like, say, The Sixth Sense clicks together. Or like A Quiet Place. Well, A Quiet Place is not trying to give you a, a, a major twist. Uh, that's not, I mean, no, I wouldn't. Let's go watch A same. Quiet Place. When's that out? It's out it's now. Out. I mean, on DVD <laughs> it's to out rent. It's out now on yeah. DVD. Did you buy it? No. Oh, that's a good one. We should buy it. Okay. It I'll put that in my I, top I ten this year. I asked you, you said, like, I don't know if I could watch that again because of the dire, there's some... I mean, I mean, I did. I was don't really tense. It. I don't think Sean's even. Oh, seen I've it. seen it, oh. and I don't want to. I don't want to spoil it for our listeners. It's heavy. Well, right in the opening scene, it's very heavy. Unless all our listeners are right here. The, well, no, my mom. <laughs> one day, and uh, <laughs> once Cutco gets on board, we've got hundreds potentially hundreds, hundreds of listeners because Cutco they're powerful. They can they got they got people going door to door. Well, they have to be invited. I'm, I'm told, <laughs> like they have to get an invitation and then. Anyway. All right, Tyler. So I'm you guys out are of, on the record of uh, of liking the ending. Okay, that's I'm out of tea, Tyler, and you're making me mad. So you better get ready for a spot of tea with tea time with Tyler. Is this it is... called the spot of tea? Are you adding that to the yes. title? It's a, a spot, spot of tea, tea with tea time. Tea with Tyler. time with Tyler. Wi- oh, okay. I Quit interrupting me. Right. Now I gotta say it again. You're talking over me. Okay. okay, this is when I refill the tea, and you have until I'm done. Can Sean do the segment? What's going on? <laughs> oh, this is called A Spot of Tea. It's a tea time with our guest star, Sean Scott. So I'm refilling my empty mug okay. with some hot water for my tea. Okay. It's going to be loud, and it's going to sound like I'm filling it with water. And you have until I finish filling it to answer the following question. Okay. It's a surprise question. I'll give you Let's each see. one. Oh, well, both of us? So I, are we both I'm, talking? I, I don't know. Not, I'm going to do Sean first. Not at the same time. Not at the same time. Sean, are you ready? Yep. 
So, Sean. Yes. And usually I just come up with a question right on the spot, so it's usually pretty dumb. Okay. Um, name alien movies that you can think of that have a better ending than signs. <laughs> None exist. And done. I didn't even start pouring. Wow. And Tyler, go. Alien. Aliens. Not War of the Worlds. Um, uh, <laughs> Independence Day. I'm guessing you didn't like War of the Worlds ending for the same reason. Well, yeah. No, he loved that ending. No, I don't like the ending of... No, I don't like the last five minutes of War of the Worlds. I don't uh, mind the I don't mind the the reason because that's part of the book. They just get a virus. Or yeah. So since it was in a book, that's fine. No, but I get it. I'm okay, not saying that's keep the going. Problem of the, I'm, I'm not done. Saying, I'm not done. <laughs> I don't have any more. Science is perfect. Apparently, <laughs> it's perfect. I'm not going to mention it anymore. Keep it boring. That's fine. <laughs> What what movies did you I'm mention? I'm not saying I don't think that water being a weakness is is necessarily the problem with the ending. I don't care about that. It's the dead wife's people. visions. It's just the vision, of, like the very specific vision of like make sure you grab this baseball bat to swing at a an alien that probably would have been knocked down by a baseball bat, a lamp, a gun, <laughs> like a shotgun would have done the job too. I'm just saying. It's like, weird it's, that his baseball saw. bat is on the wall hanging. That's not like a normal place for a bat. Because be. as she was dying, she saw the future and gave them a message so they would know what to do. But that's the most important. Like this is like I don't know. Just it. It's just to a save very her family thing. from being murdered by some asshole alien. Yeah, that's the most important but message she could give them. Would have been a better message them. to just be like, "Go to the lake with M Night Shyamalan." Okay, well, <laughs> I don't think not... she was too happy with him at that time. <laughs> yeah, she didn't have like a vision about him. Maybe don't chop off the the alien's fingers so he doesn't get mad and come she, back for you. She's she something. Was... She doesn't have a forty five minute movie about the ending. Of their lives, she maybe just has that but last you guys moment. Are saying that the, the mom is possessing the kids the whole time, well, and they're like, it kind of seems that way. Happen. Okay, I would like to say that the mom seemed kind of split on her decision. <laughs> oh my god, connections, connections. She's pinned against the car. <laughs> she's cut in half. They say she's cut in half, and it's the car that's keeping her organs in. I guess that's basically how they I took build it. Build the house around her. Sounds like she's fine. She well, talks fine. Do you know how they let her die? They just moved they the move car. They moved the car. <laughs> That's why they say they let her die. Yep. Like we had to move the car sometime. And Yikes. And wanted his Jeep back or whatever. Yikes. I'm surprised. I honestly am surprised that uh, you two are both on board with the the highly controversial ending of Signs. I don't... Well, it's just... controversial because people are on both sides of it. Maybe. Maybe that's, that's true. Bam. I am. Like... Mic drop by Sean. <laughs> I just... I, I like this movie a lot. I just think that that scene is the start of the problems for M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> Two of my favorites. Uh, I will give you that. As a writer. I'll give you that. And because the CGI doesn't look good, but I, I don't really blame him. It's just the, the product of mid late 90s, early 2000s CGI just dates really poorly, unfortunately, yeah. and that just doesn't look very good. But no, This okay. was definitely... that You could say that scene was definitely a turning point in his career because it wasn't good after that. Well, because, it wasn't. So the next thing we have is The <clears throat> Village, which... Uh, I was on board for because Joaquin Phoenix was back. He's back, and it has a. Yes. The first half of it is is as advertised. It's it's what the premise it sets up for you is what it's giving you. Within it, obviously, the big twist there is doesn't work, and people don't like it. And I love that twist. I <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I the twist in itself is less the problem than the execution of it. Um, and then after that, I mean, so even there's probably some people that thought that was okay, and then you made Lady in the Water, which was basically a movie where he was commenting on people his 
people criticizing his work essentially. Hmm. Like, the main character is a screen like a writer. It's it's not good and it doesn't work at all. And then it really falls off the rails. You've got he made the last Airbender, which was mostly just a director's I think, job. Yeah, and I think the happening was before that, wasn't was it? it? We'd have to look at. I thought I, I, felt, I get the feeling that the happening was some kind of like attempt to like bring him back after. Like, our, this is the first. The order goes. Unbreakable, Signs, The Village, Lady in the Water, The Happening, The Last Airbender, oh, okay. wow. After Earth, The Visit. So The Happening was right after that. And then he made... So Last Airbender is mostly just a director's effort. It's, it's it's a very poorly made movie. To, I mean, he really... I mean, it's a bad script that he didn't write, but it's... Did he, he write that? He botched it. Mm-hmm. He botched it. And then uh, after that, it was After Earth, which is also... Turtles Forever. Oh, yeah. Turtles right. Forever. <laughs> Botched. What, listen to Ninja Turtle Talk Live. Uh, also on oldmillennialsremember.com. But um, you guys are both excited for his next movie coming out. Oh, yes. Right. So then I thought he he returned to form with the... I think The Visit is actually okay. It's kind of I never, footage. I never saw that one. And it's low budget. It's kind of his working his way back into the genre. I think it's okay. Um, I like it. Rent. And then Split. Split was amazing. Split has a great... I mean, it has a great James McAvoy performance at the heart of it, but it Several. also... Uh, huh? Several great performances oh, right. from James McAvoy. <laughs> right, and then it has um, a twist that's leading into his um, next movie, which is uh, Glass, which returns uh, Bruce Willis and Samuel Who else? Jackson. Oh, yeah. Huh? I didn't know if you knew he was in there. What? Sam Jackson. Oh, he's played by... <laughs> what are you trying to say? <laughs> that I love Sam Jackson and I'm very excited about Glass? Yeah, that's what That's what I was insinuating, Glass. yes. Well, because Unbreakable, I'm still on record as saying that's my favorite of Shyamalan's movies. I'm a big Sam Jackson fan, so yeah, I'm excited about Glass. Of course I am. Ugh, it's got Sarah Paulson in it. Jeez, with you and Ugh. Sarah Paulson. Oh my god. She's a <laughs> beloved actress. She's won like multiple Emmys and you're so, just like, I don't like her, like, I don't like Meryl She's so annoying. So, um, Signs. Yes. You you did say that it, you lost something on seeing it at home. What's your thoughts on it now in 2018? If you're going to watch it, watch it at home with the lights off and your phone off. Because yeah. I think you'll get a better effect with like the music and the sound I effects. Agree with that. I was super distracted, so I think that that threw me off on a it's couple of It's an immersive things. movie, and yeah, it really does play well into the just getting yourself wrapped up in mm-hmm. it a little bit more. And I don't know if this is because I'd watched it so many times before and I knew it so well, but it went by a lot faster than I expected. For It was a two-hour movie, wasn't it? It's like hour and 46? It's short. Okay. I, it, I love the length on it. I think that it, for, a, for everything that's packed into it, because there's a whole invasion going on off-screen, it's pretty tight. It feels like a tight movie, and I, you get enough character work for everybody. And I, I, I you know, I... I hate to say it, but Mel Gibson, I think, is good in the movie. I think Joaquin Phoenix is good in the movie. The kids are good in the movie because they're creepy. <laughs> yeah. so the sheriff, cop lady. Sherry Jones, I, she's, mm-hmm. I, I like her in almost everything. She pops up in lots of things, but she's very yeah. good. She um, was knows. recently in Handmaid's Tale as the main character's mom. Yeah, she's a, she's a good actress. and mm-hmm. it, She knows a lot about Olympic high jumping. Yeah, there's a whole scene. <laughs> oh, <laughs> there is. Uh-huh. Um, like, it could be a lady. <laughs> but this is also a movie that I, I, it does play into Shyamalan's strengths as a, as a director. Like, he the the work of the jump scares and kind of the mood setting is, is all there. And to the point where you wonder where the hell it went in Lady in the Water, which is less of a horror movie, but then especially The Happening. When you see The Happening, which is just about, like, creating gore... Yeah. It, it just feels like it's it's poorly constructed, and, and like it was put together like with a third of the effort. Hmm. And I, I you would I would say the same thing about uh, his bigger budget movies, Last Airbender and After Earth. Maybe because it's a big budget and that's not really his his kind of zone. But um, this is kind of like him and his most skill. This was this was the 
this was the movie I think The Sixth Sense and Unbreakable were successful but I think the Spielberg comparisons really started I think when Science came out like the, just the aspect of like building a sequence and people were excited about like this guy is the next I mean we knew that was Sixth Sense but this was like a confirmation of it Yeah. with maybe an ending that faltered to some people but um, <laughs> but yeah no and then it unfortunately it, it, do you think you can get back there? I thought Split was there I didn't which is a smaller uh, movie, though. It's still yeah. a pretty small movie. I mean, it really doesn't... It, yeah. it, it's a it's a Bloomhouse production. I, I think Glass is going to be interesting. It's really bringing together a lot of pieces from... I mean, Unbreakable was, what, 2001? 2000, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. And it's then been a long time. Now 2019, coming and he, back. And he's always wanted to make a sequel to Unbreakable, kind of, but it never felt like a natural thing, because it wasn't, wasn't particularly, like, hugely successful. It made money, but it wasn't as big as a sixth sense, but... It, that's a, I'm very excited about it, but at the same time, I, you worry, right? Yeah, you it's don't like, want to get your hopes too high. Well, right, because you've been number one. You've been burned by him in the past, and also it just seems like we're doing this now, like 18 years later. Is this a good idea? We're mixing yeah. this other thing with it. It feels like a pretty dangerous, like like it, it feels a very like a, it feels like very Shyamalan, like like he's like the ego's back maybe a little bit more, and it, it worries <laughs> me. But at the same time, I'm I'm willing to kind of uh, give him a shot again. So, anyway, that's signs, guys. We did it. We did it. All right. Sean was here. Mm-hmm. First guest in mm-hmm. on the show. What number was this? Number 10? Number 10. Well, there you go. I got lost there for a bit because I was thinking about that creepy kid again. <laughs> and then I was looking over my notes. And there's the part where that creepy kid's in the movie. And, uh, the Culkin kid? And the lights go out. And then we only see things with the flashlight rolling around. Right. Oh. And it made me think of Blair Witch Project. Oh, where, yeah. like... You don't see anything. You just see like well, nothing, of- and then all of a sudden you see something, and it's like a fucking kid standing in the corner. So that's just I got a little lost there. So I wasn't really. And then he like tried to push Elijah Wood off of a cliff. That well, was a different different movie. kid, different Colton. different. I get confused with these kids. They look alike, man. Yeah. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. All right. Well. Yeah. Thanks. You- yeah. What's happening? Yeah. Check out our stuff, oldmillennialsremember.com. That's where you can find the this podcast. Ninja Turtle Talk Live. With Sean. Mm-hmm. That's on the po- on the uh, website. Basically, what we want you to do is subscribe to either podcast, both podcasts. Both. And then also go over to iTunes, because that's the, the king of reviews, and uh, give us a good review. Find us on Facebook. Find us on uh, tw- Tweetster. What we want you to do okay. is subscribe and leave a review. <laughs> and just ignore Tyler. Snapchat yet? I asked you Shut up, Tyler. <laughs> you want to give actions specific you can go on facebook but we want you to subscribe and leave a review a good review don't leave a one-star review i'm gonna leave you a one-star review why because you keep interrupting me you married me i know i did (laughs) so long ago um well sean what are your final words for the podcast bud that was fun let's do it again sometime all right thanks for listening (laughs) and we'll talk at you guys later bye it's happening Ah, jeez. That happened. (laughs) Ah, jeez.